I'm home. This is the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast, an introspective look into video gaming from the classic era until today. Now here is your host, Brian. Hey folks, what's going on out there? Brian here, and this is Confessions of an Arcade Addict, episode number five. Uh, let's see, not too much going on in the realm of uh, gaming and going to arcades yet. Uh, my finances are a little wonky, so I can't uh, actually go. I actually, I take that back. I went to, um, I went to Pinball Pete's on Sunday. Um, it was a cold and rainy evening, and I just needed to kind of go and clear my head for a little while. I had about a dollar fifty and quarters. So let's see, what did I play? I played Robotron, which still isn't working 100%. The left control on the fire stick still is pretty uh, janky, doesn't always work correctly. Despite that, I still put up about 280,000 points, which is about average for me. Um, let's see. Played Defender, did okay there. I didn't do as well as you'll probably hear in a future episode of uh, On the Road. But, you know, I did a decent job. I think I put up like 80,000 points. That's average for me. Um, let's see. Then I went down into the arcade proper. I played Street Fighter II Champion Edition like I always do. And although I didn't have a perfect run through the game, I did lose a couple of uh, fights here and there. Uh, I got to Bison and I beat him, which is always an accomplishment. Uh, let's see, and then I played Tron, and I got a really good score on Tron, or at least good for me. Um, most of the time on Tron, I'll get a score of about, I'd say probably like 20, 24,000, somewhere in there. This time I got, what was it, 47,000, which was pretty good for me. I think that's like my ultimate high score on Tron, if my memory serves me correctly. But, yeah, I did that, walked around for a little bit, and then got my car and came home. <laughs> Thank goodness for free parking on Sunday nights. Um, just checking uh, the emails, uh, still nothing coming about. Um, once again, if you've got, uh, any feedback for the show, any stories of your own, any experiences with any of the arcade games that I've spoken about, um, just drop me an email at arcadeaddictbrian, that's all one word, at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail. That number is 734-743-2433. Also, I've been working on getting the social me social media profile for the show up and running so uh the show is on facebook twitter instagram and tumblr on facebook you want to search confesses excuse me confessions of an arcade addict um on twitter it's at arcade addict underscore b um on instagram it's arcade addict brian and on tumblr it is 
tumblr.com slash blog slash confessions of an arcade addict. So there are other ways to get a hold of the show or follow the show aside from the home base, which is on Anchor. That is uh, my main uh, distribution point for the podcast. It's also on iTunes, on Google Play, and various other ways you can listen to podcasts. It's not that difficult to find, and I just hope that you enjoy it and that you participate in the show. So, without any further ado, let's move on to Arcade Rundown. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. Your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it, is to make Stefan believe Thompson's information. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This state will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. Arcade Rundown. Okay, these two arcades are going to be tied together because growing up in Bridgeport, they were always tied together. Um, and those arcades are Spanky's Arcade and Wizard's Arcade. Um, I discovered Spanky's and Wizard's in early 1982. Um, I was told about it one day by some of the kids who were regulars at the Trumbull Mall Arcade. And one day, uh, my buddy Mark, who I was just getting to know back in those days, um, he... Uh, said he was going to go down there one day, and I asked to go with him, and he took me down there. Um, I didn't know where it was, but once I found out where it was, it was easy as pie to get to. Um, it was uh, more or less in the central, uh, the central area of Bridgeport. I mean. Not It was just north of downtown, but not quite to the north end of town where I lived. Um, it was on the corner of North Avenue, which was U.S. Highway 1, which went right through Bridgeport, and Lindley Street. And I knew about this area because um, when I was a, a really young child, I want to say about maybe five, maybe six, sometimes uh, my aunt would be in charge of me for the day after getting out of preschool or kindergarten. And so she would pick me up at school and she and she would just take me wherever she had to go. She had errands to run or whatever. Every once in a while she would take me to this little ice cream shop which was on Lindley Street, which was, I want to say, about half a mile north of where Spanky's was located, but that's how I knew the area, and it also was within a rock's throw of St. Vincent's Hospital, um, so I was familiar with the area already, uh, in 1982, I'm, what, 13 years old, going on 14, so by this time, I'm just wandering all over the place, um, I'm in seventh grade in, yeah, seventh grade, and 
by this time, you know, if I'm not at school in the mornings, I'm skipping school and going to the mall or skipping and going down to Spanky's if I had some money to take a bus down there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was pretty much all over the place by this time. You know, like I said, at the mall a lot. And the frequency that I was going to the mall was only going to increase <laughs> throughout 82 and going to 83. I'll I might tell that story one day. I might not. But anyway. Um, yeah, once I found out about it, it was easy to get to. And then once I found the shortcut, which was to go down Greenwood Street all the way to the end. You would cross over Summit Street. You would go to the end of Greenwood Street, which basically opened out into this big wooded area. And you would pick your way along the various paths in that wooded area. Because the kids in that neighborhood, you know, they would use those woods to go in there and, and drink alcohol and smoke pot. You know, and things like that. I used to see, sometimes coming home from Spanky's, I used to see, you know, kids having like a little, like, mini bonfire and, you know drinking alcohol, smoking pot, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but as you went through that, went to the far end of the wooded area, you'd be behind Reed Middle School, and you'd just follow the back of that building, and there was a street that joined up with Lindley Street, and then you would walk the rest of the way to Spanky's from there. Um, there were times where... Um, if I went down to Spanky's, I took the number 12 bus home if I didn't feel like walking and I had money left over, which I will say sometimes it happened, sometimes it didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was easy to get to, easy to get home from, all that kind of stuff. Um, when Spanky's first started out, um, it had moved into a building that used to be... Um, it used to be a used car lot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think they moved into that, and then there was another business right next door to them for a while. But Spanky's, they earned so much business um, that they actually, once the uh, people who ran the store next to it, who for the life of me, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, once they moved out, they uh, assumed that storefront, uh, tore the walls down, and I think that's what happened. It might just be that they just had the building and they couldn't fill it until they got enough arcade machines. But either way, uh, once they took over the second store space, um, and I remember it because you actually had to step down. I think what it was, now that my memory is actually working, is that the area where you stepped down from the main area, that I think was like a little showroom area or something like that. My memory is kind of iffy on that, but basically what it was is that once they got that second area, that's when they put in a whole lot more arcade games. I mean, a ton of them. I mean, they had a bunch of arcade games to begin with in the store space they had, but once they took out the second space, it was it was just um balls to the wall um i want to say that i think the only arcade 
there were possibly two arcades that had as many games as Spanky's or more. One was Milford Rec, which I will talk about in a future episode, and the other one was Arnie's Place in Westport, which I also will talk about in another episode. Um, my memories, of, my memories of both of those places. Milford Rec was the biggest arcade in the area, hands down, just no question about it. And Arnie's Place was, they had a lot of machines, but I'm not exactly sure they had as many as Spanky's. I think the number was close. But yeah, Spanky's had a ton of machines. Um, any games that uh, Trumbull Mall Arcade did not have, Spanky's had. That's how it was. I mean, there was a lot of crossover. They had a lot of uh, games, you know, that would come out in the early 80s, you know, like Ms. Pac-Man um uh Ms. Pac-Man um you know uh actually Trouble Ball Arcade did not have Galaga which was kind of weird but Spanky's did uh Spanky's had was the only arcade in the area that I knew of that had Star Wars when it came out in 83 they had Dragon's Lair in 82 um which was funny because Trouble Ball Arcade would come back later in what 84 and um, they had a Space Ace in 85. But yeah, I mean, uh, but Spanky's had a wonderful mix of new games and older games. And they just continually kept getting more, getting newer, newer games. Um, but yeah, that was like my third home, if... <laughs> the place where I laid my head at night was home, and Trommel Mall Arcade was my second home, Spanky's was my third. And every once in a while, Spanky's would be in contention for that position, depending. Um, Spanky's, I, w I went there consistently from when I first started in early 82, or maybe even as early as late 81. It all depends on when Ms. Pac-Man came out. Because I think I was going to Spanky's just before Ms. Pac-Man came out. Or just after. Somewhere in that area. It was sometime in 81. When I, I think I'm going to be talking about Ms. Pac-Man in a future episode. And I'm, I'm looking at it and looking at it. Yeah, it'll be the very next episode. Episode 6. Where I talk about Ms. Pac-Man. Um, and I think... That's when it was just before Ms. Pac-Man came out was when I was going to Spanky's regularly. And because I remember when Ms. Pac-Man came out, um, uh, Trumbull Mall Arcade, for some reason, didn't have Ms. Pac-Man, which I thought was kind of weird. And the, um, the, uh, Rexall Drugstore had Ms. Pac-Man in it. You know, it was in their back, it was in the back entrance by the pharmacy. And I thought that was really strange for some reason that they didn't have it. But Spanky's did. As a matter of fact, Spanky's got, I think, like three Ms. Pac-Man machines. Um, but yeah. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to stop it there. <laughs> because actually I'm going to talk about Spanky's a lot in my next episode, which, um includes a story time segment about oh i'm sorry not the next one uh that will be uh episode 19 when i talk about christmas 1982 aka the binge <laughs> trust me folks you'll like that story um but yeah 
So I want to say late 81 all the way up to 1990 uh, when uh, Spanky's closed down and they moved further up the street to um, basically, uh, what was it called? It was Boston, where, yeah, where North Avenue turns into Boston Avenue, but there's also a cutoff street and Boston Avenue turns uh, towards the east and the Boston Avenue cutoff road continued north, paralleling um, paralleling um, Route 8 up to Exit 5. And that and it terminated Shopsy Hill Road. Right at that split off was where there was uh, like a car repair shop. And then that's where uh, Spanky's went to. And it became Crazy 8's Arcade. And it was a smaller place, much smaller place with much fewer games, which was unfortunate. Um, Spanky's, um, you just mentioned the, you just mentioned Spanky's Arcade in the, uh, the Brid, growing up in Bridgeport 70s and 80s uh, group on Facebook. And everybody's got stories about Spanky's. Everybody. You know, it was a staple in my hometown for sure. Um, Wizards Arcade, I don't have as much to say because it didn't last very long. Uh, Wizards Arcade was open sometime, I think, in early 19, early to mid-1982. It was somewhere between, like, I want to say February and March to, like, May, April or May, somewhere in there. And that place did not last very long. That place lasted, I think, maybe six months. It was less than a year, regardless. Um, it was about a quarter mile east from Spanky's along North Avenue. And that place had the distinction of having some games that Spanky's didn't. Which, weren't there weren't that many that Spanky's didn't have. But that's where I saw and played games like Armor Attack. And there were a couple more there they had that... Um, Spanky's didn't have. I can't remember the name of them, but you know, it was really cool because it was kind of an alternative. I mean, there were a couple of times where after getting my allowance from my mom, um, just going spending like five dollars at Spanky's and then going down spending like, you know, five dollars at Wizards. And they had competing uh token specials at the time. I remember that. There was one time where Spanky's would give you six tokens for a dollar, which was a bargain. Um, and I think it extended out to five dollars where, uh, let's see, if you got five dollars, that was 20 tokens. I think you got 30 tokens for five dollars. And I think Wizards was in a competition about, you know, with them about that. But, um... So I just remember the last time I I saw Wizards, well, I didn't actually see it, but one day I decided to go to Spanky's and spend a little money there, and after I was done, I decided to go down to Wizards and spend a couple dollars down there. So I headed down to Wizards, <laughs> and the place had, uh, I just noticed the place was burned to the ground. And, you know, I was sad because that meant less video games. <laughs> um... Rumor was it, rumor had, and was going around, especially when I started going to high school in fall of 1983, 
Um, the rumor was is that either the ar the guy who owned the arcade either burned the place down for the insurance money, or the burning down the building was uh, related to the mob, and that was that area was kind of mob territory more more or less um, for different kinds of reasons which I won't get into. Because, you know, I don't want somebody to show up and break my legs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so that was oh, that was the rumor going around at, uh, at my high school, late, you know, a year later after it, after it burned down. But, yeah, I was kind of sad when it had burned down. So, yeah, those are my recollections of Spanky's Arcade and Wizards. Um, if you remember, if you grew up in Bridgeport in the early 80s and you remember these arcades, by all means, share your stories, you know, uh, at uh, arcadeaddictbrian.com. Okay, from there, we will go to Are You Experienced? I'm too old for this. Hiding in front seats like a teenager. Oh, baby, I think I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm getting too old for this. Listen, you was born too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Lying wet arse to my head or chasing other men's cattle. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. Maybe we're getting too old for this. What do you think, huh? I'm not too old for this shit. I'm not too old for this shit. You will not. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. Say like you believe. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. I'm not going to buy a hemorrhoid cookie. We're not too old for this shit. Are you experienced? Galaga. <laughs> Galaga is far and away, if I was forced, if someone tied me down to a chair, held a gun to my head, and said... You have to choose five video games as your all-time favorites, you know, or you know we're gonna pull this trigger and kill you. Galaga would be one of them. You know, Galaga is at least top five, possibly even top three, as games that I love to play. That are, even though I know that game inside and out, uh, it still presents a challenge. Uh, it still is. Depending on the difficulty level, it can be uh, fairly easy to play and get along with, or it can be really, really difficult, and you have to put some actual thought and effort into playing it. Galaga is a Japanese arcade game developed and published by Namco Japan and by Midway in North America in 1981. It is the sequel to 1979's Galaxian. Uh, the gameplay of Galaga puts the player in control of a spacecraft, which is situated at the bottom of the screen, with enemy aliens arriving in formation at the beginning of the stage, either trying to destroy, collide with, or capture the spaceship, with the player progressing every time the alien forces are vanquished. Galaga is one of the most commercially and critically successful games from the golden age of arcade video games. The arcade version of it has been ported to many consoles, and it's had several sequels. In 2011, the game celebrated its 30th anniversary with the release of the Galaga 30th Collection for the iOS. And they also, in, 19, in 2011, they released the Galaga Ms. Pac-Man 30th Anniversary Machine, which uh, Pinball Pete's has. And that's usually where I get my, <clears throat> excuse me, Galaga, fi Galaga fix. And the composer of the game is Nobuyuki Onogi. And 
I wish I wish I could meet that guy because I would shake his hand for creating one of my favorite arcade games. Um, okay, let's see. The first time that I really seriously saw Galaga was at was actually wasn't at Spanky's. It was at um, oh goodness, was it at the Rexall? Yeah, I believe it was. It was at the Rexall drugstore uh, in Tromo Mall. Um, of course, in 1981, 80 and 81, everybody and their mother was starting to get uh, arcade machines in their stores because it was a good way to earn money. Um, in 1981, the uh, video game craze was kicking into a higher gear. Um, it really started in 78 with Space Invaders. It kicked to another level with Galaxian and Asteroids in 79. Um, Defender in 80 put it on another level, and Galaga just kept the momentum going. Um, I remember in Galaga, I mean, it wasn't hard to play. As a matter of fact, from the get-go, I always preferred this game to Galaxian. I always did. Um, Galaxian, it was a good enough game, and you had to have really good video gaming skills to play Galaga, I mean, excuse me, play Galaxian, but the shortcomings of the game just sort of left me a little cold. So, you know, it was just one ship against an armada, and as you go further and further in the game, there more and more enemies are coming at you, and it's faster and faster and faster, and, you know. I was pretty decent at the game, but yeah, I wasn't getting, like, a ton of enjoyment from it. It, I just wasn't. Um, but when Galaga came out, um, it, that really caught my interest. Um, it was not uncommon to see somebody always playing that Galaga machine at the Rexall drugstore. Um, and every once in a while, you know, I would play it. My love for Galaga didn't really start blossoming until, uh, I want to say, fall of 1982, when I started going to private school in Milford, Connecticut. Um, to explain, um, a day going to school in Connecticut, I mean, in Milford, was getting up at, oh, I want to say, like, six in the morning, catching the first bus, the first Main Street bus to go downtown, uh, and going to, walking like the two blocks down John Street to the train station, and then waiting for the, I want to say, oh God, what was it, the 705 train to New Haven, and sometimes I would get down there, I would have like 45 minutes to kill before the uh, train arrived. Yeah, so one of the things that I would do, you know, I had maybe about 45 minutes to kill before I uh, went to, you know, went onto the uh, eastbound platform to get, out, get on the train to go to New Haven. And they had a Galaga machine in there. And I frequented the train station often enough um, because they had games. And they always had games. And Galaga was a machine they got in, like, 
I want to say, you know, I would say probably sometime in 1982, maybe even summer of 1982, and it was always there for years. I mean, that game was there, and it was constantly on, and, you know, more or less people were playing it, but that was one of the things I used to do. Um, it's just waste time playing playing Galaga until the train got there, and God only knows there were a couple of times where I'm doing very well at the game, and I lose track of time, and then I look over to my right, and the train going to uh, New Haven is pulling out of the, pulling off the platform, and now I'm going to be like an hour and a half late for school. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, let's see. The release in of Galaga was December 1981. So, that's interesting. Because... Yeah, that actually that makes a lot of sense because I think the 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 Rexall drugstore had a Galaga machine, I wanna say like March of eighty two. Somewhere in there. But um yeah, I mean this this game I've played so many thousands of times. I think if I could go back in a time machine and just count the number of times I played this machine, I think it would be number one, if not number two, <laughs> you know, all time, just as many times as I played it, because anytime I play it, you know, I always, you know, anytime I've got time in a quarter, I always play it. I mean, I remember, where was I going? I was going to, yeah, I was going to, um... Uh, was it? No, it wasn't. No, it was, uh, Spokane, Washington. That's what it was. I was flying to Spokane, Washington one day, you know, one time. I was going there, you know, for a vacation. I was flying to Spokane, and, um, no, actually, I take that back. I was going to Boise. That's where I was going. I was going to Boise. And, but I had to fly to, uh, Seattle to catch a connecting flight to go to, yeah, yeah. go to Seattle, catch a connecting flight back to uh, Boise. And I remember that, you know, when I got to Seattle, I had, oh my God, oh, I had at least a two-hour layover. So instead of just sitting at the gate and waiting for, you know, the flight to arrive and, you know, all that other stuff, I decided to just take a walk around the terminal I was in. And sure enough, and it, and it was a large terminal, too. I remember that. I mean, Seattle-Tacoma Airport's absolutely huge. And I just remember uh, there was a little game, little video gaming area. I can't even call it an arcade because it was just this little kiosk with, like, five or six arcade games in it. And one of them was Galaga. And I just decided I had time. And if fastest way for me to kill time is to play Galaga. And so I did that. You know, I threw a quarter in there and I played Galaga for over an hour. Because by this time, I mean, by this time I'm I'm about as good at Galaga as I can possibly be, which I still am to this point. And, you know, so, you know, anytime, anywhere, if I see a Galaga machine and I have time and I have the money, if I have a quarter... Yeah, I'm going to play it. 
you know, just for the hell of it. Because, well, I love the game. It's one of my favorites, all-time favorite. Um, so, that is, you know, my recollections of Galaga. I mean, I could talk about Galaga from now until the uh, cows come home, but since we have a strategy uh, segment coming up, I'm going to stop it here. Um, share If you want to share any uh, thoughts and memories about Galaga, uh, do you actually own a Galaga machine, or, you know, do you have it in emulation, you know, you like to play it, uh, get a hold of me at arcadeaddictbrian.com or at on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, or Tumblr. So, now then, let's go right on ahead to our time for some strategy. Time for some strategy. Okay. With Galaga, um, you know, of course the object of it is to score as many points as possible uh, by destroying insect-like enemies. Um, I'm reading straight off the Wikipedia page, so nobody get mad. Um, the, the player controls a starfighter that can move left or right along the bottom of the playfield. Enemies swarm in groups in a formation near the top of the screen and begin to flying down to towards the player, firing bullets at and attempting to crash into him. In later stages, some enemies even break from an entering group in a frantic attempt to crash into the player. Uh, the game ends when the player's last fighter is lost by colliding with an enemy, being hit by an enemy shot, or being captured with no lives left. Uh, let's see... One of the cool things about Galaga is, um, there are several actually. The first is you can have one of your fighters get captured by a boss Galaga, which, you know, will come down uh, and put down a tractor beam, and if you move your ship into the beam, it will be captured by the boss Galaga, who will then turn around, go back to the top of the formation, then he will come down and attack you, with your fighter in tow. And when it's in flight and flying down towards you, you have to destroy it. And when you do, it frees the fighter. And then your fighter and the captured fighter join together, and now you have double firepower. Um, it is... Yeah, that's one of the, one of the most awesome uh, things about the game. Of course, it makes your fighter twice as big, but you do have twice the firepower. And as long as you know how to move your move your ships in the game, you can make that last for a very long time while utterly decimating the enemy. Um, the second cool thing is is that at stage three and every fourth stage thereafter, there's a challenging stage, which a series of forty enemies. Eight at a time, fly onto and off the screen, moving in set patterns without firing at your ship or trying to crash into it. And your object is to destroy them all. Uh, when you destroy a group of enemies, you are awarded a bonus of 1,000 
1,500, 2,000, or 3,000 points, depending on uh, what challenging stage you're on. Um, if you destroy all 40 enemies, you get a 10,000 point bonus. Uh, if you miss enemies, basically you get a bonus bonus uh, you get bonus points for every enemy destroyed times 100. So if you destroy 36 out of 40, you get 3,600 points. Um, so basically, um, and one of the other cool things about it is to, at the end of the game, you get a hit-miss ratio, which is basically the number of shots you fired and the number of times you hit a target, and then it gives you a percentage. I actually use this to kind of judge how efficient I've played the game. I mean, it's not to, I don't think it's meant to be taken seriously, but that's what I do. I mean, I basically use it to um, see how, you know, just to see how I was, you know, whether I was wasting shots or not. Um, I consider any, a good game to be, the hit-miss ratio would be about, I would say probably anything between 70 and 80%. There, there was one game where I did very well in the game and I, I got a mind-numbingly uh, hit-miss ratio of 88%. It was between 88 and 89 or something like that. But it was at least, it was 88% at least. And I remember seeing that and I was like, wow. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Um, let's see. Uh, another feature in the game is for a, an enemy to randomly transform and organize into a certain formation when you destroy... Uh, is a three ship formation and if you destroy all three of the formation you get bonus points uh 1000 1500 2000 or 3000 and it just keeps repeating you know the 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 various ones keep repeating um so you know yeah i mean the easiest things the best way to do well at galaga is number 1 to keep moving that's the first thing. Um, once you once you know where the enemies come out, depending on the stage, because it's it varies from stage to stage where they come out. But um, you want to know where they come out. Now, in almost in every stage that's not a challenging stage, the first group of enemies come straight out of the top of the machine into the top of the screen, and they'll come out and then they'll loop around and then they'll, while they're looping around, of course, they're shooting at you and then they'll go in and settle in formation. Um, the easiest way for me to really, really last for a long time at Galaga is knowing where these enemies come out during these formation runs. You know, they'll come out from the top, they'll come out from the sides and then they'll go up into formation at the top of the screen and then they'll start peeling off and trying to shoot you or run into you. Um, the easiest thing to do is to just shoot down as many enemies as you can while they're doing their formation runs. Um, this way, it serves two purposes. It can serve to end the stage quickly with a minimum of risk, or it can 
Um, oh goodness, I forgot what the other alternative was. But usually I would do it to minimize, oh yeah, minimize the number of enemies to be at the top of the screen, especially in later stages. I want to say from stage, oh, let's say stage 19 forward, because now if you let all of the enemies go to the top of the screen and to gather, they'll start coming down in waves of three four, five, six, and more. The further along you get in the game, the more enemies are going to come peeling off, and the more shots you have to dodge, and the more concerns you have about them also ramming your ship. So, I just avoid that situation entirely. When they're coming down their formation runs, um, I just shoot as many of them as I can while dodging the shots they throw at me, and... When they go into formation, then I'll start shooting at them as they sit there, you know, just to minimize the threat. Because when you have a bunch of uh, the, the three different kind of enemies, you have your, your blue-winged insects, you have your red-winged butterflies, they look like butterflies, so that's what I'll call them, and then you have the boss galagas on top of them, and they'll start coming down in, you know, at, at first it's only two of them starting from stage one up until, like, stage uh, four. And then after stage four, there'll be three. Then after stage seven, there'll be four. And it just keeps going that way. Just more and more enemies come down. And also, uh, another trick to survivability is to more or less bait them into shooting into a place that you don't intend to be when the shots get there. That means that if, say, at, you're at the beginning of a stage and the enemies are starting their formation runs from the top of the screen, um, when the, uh, there'll be a counter which will go off when, a new, when you go to a new stage, so it'll go like stage one, two, three, four, five, so forth and so on. When you hear the clicking sound that a, uh, that a, a new uh, badge for the stage comes in at the bottom right of the screen, as soon as you hear that click go off, you just send two shots straight towards the top of the screen. And it will more often than not kill at least two enemies at that point. But when they start coming down from the top of the screen, they'll start shooting at you from the moment they appear. So they will home in, they basically shoot at where you are. And you can use that against them, which means that you can actually stay at the top and stay in the center of the center of the screen. And then once the shots come down, then you start moving along with one of the formations and you're shooting at them the whole time to you know to kill them off and it's the same thing for the red butterflies that either will come from the both sides of the screen with the boss galagas or they'll come with uh they'll come from the uh left side of the screen from the from basically just from the top just above where your fighter is on the left side of the screen and then they'll just do a loop and then they'll go up and sit in formation so 
the trick is to, and it's kind of hard because at stage 5, uh, 9, 13, it starts at stage 5, but then it, uh, you know, it goes every fourth stage after that, I believe. And that's when the enemies will come out and they'll start to start to peel up towards formation. Then uh, a bunch of enemies will peel off from that formation quickly and they'll try to ram you. And you just have to keep your eyes open for that. And that's the thing in the beginning when I was just starting to get good at Galaga. That's the thing that would kill me more than their actual shots would. I mean, the only other thing that would kill you faster than that is to just sit in the corner. Um, one of the things that I'll give you as a piece of advice is that if you're going to go in the corner, you don't stay there. You don't stay there for more than one second. If that, even if you're, even if it's just like going there, you immediately come back out. You're basically going over there to dodge some shots, but as soon as those shots pass by, come out of there because the enemies home in on you and they'll shoot in a way that unless you move out of the corner immediately once the shots appear on the screen, they'll basically kind of hem you in and trap you and kill, you know, kill your ship really quickly. Um... Let's see, uh, the challenging stages are fairly easy. Uh, the first one, the easiest way to do it is to, it helps if the high score on the top of the screen is six digits, but basically you want to line up to where the shot from your rightmost ship is just to the right of the fourth num or fifth number from the left. So if you had a score of 100,000, you would have five zeros sitting there, a one and five zeros. So you want to be just to the right of the fourth zero. And that way, you know, the first formation comes down and you just shoot them and destroy them. And then a, a formation from the bottom right of the screen comes out and loops around, you know, basically comes across where you are. Hopefully you're shooting at the whole time, but you're perfectly lined up for the boss Galagas because they'll basically peel up and turn around really quick, come straight down before they try to go off screen to the right. So basically you're perfectly lined up to shoot all of these enemies with your rightmost fighter. And you just keep shooting. And it's the same thing for the formation of blue enemies that come from the bottom right screen to do the exact same thing. They'll come across your position, pull up, loop around really quick, it comes straight down. I mean, in the first stage, you don't even really even have to move. All you've got to do is just sit there and fire. Um, let's see, the next challenging stage, which is, what is it? Level, it's stage uh, seven. Yeah, stage seven. So in stage seven, you can do the same thing for the first set of enemies. They'll come straight down just like the, the, the previous one, but instead of looping around, they'll basically turn they'll basically come down, whip around, and go straight back up a little in a little wider formation. So basically when they come down, you want to shoot them all. Um and then from there, um the uh, boss Galagas and the red butterflies, they'll both come out from the bottom left and bottom right respectfully and they'll cross right in front of your fighter. 
So basically you can just sit there and just fire away and kill most of them. As a matter of fact, I don't think you even really need to move in this one either if you find the right position. So then from there, uh, another group of red, uh, red butterflies will come across right in front of you and you can kill most of them off you know, right there in front of you. They don't, won't even have to loop around. Then a line of red, uh, or excuse me, blue enemies will come down from the right and then they'll pick a spot just left of center, turn around and go back up. It's the same thing on the last group of eight enemies. Um, then uh, stage 11 is where it gets a little more uh, challenging because now you have to memorize your position. Um, you have to set up to the... If I'm not mistaken, you have to set up just to the left of the second digit of the high score, or even just to the left of the uh, just to the left of the first digit. I can't remember exactly. I haven't played Galaga in a little while, so I'm just going straw memory. But basically, uh, a line of enemies will come down, split off, go to the bottom of the screen, turn around, come back up. Then from there. Just like in the previous stage, the boss Galaga and the blue enemies will come out of the bottom right and bottom left respectively, but instead of crossing in front of you, they'll come out a little ways, then they'll do this little spinning thing, then they'll go straight up, loop straight down, and then they'll do a 90 degree turn to the left or right respectively and go off each side of the stage. Basically what you have to do is go over to the left where the boss Galagas are and shoot and just basically shoot them all right there. Don't let them escape to the looping part of the top of the screen. And then, once they're done, you have to come back over to the right and know where your position is and shoot the four enemies coming down to, to their point where they'll break off to the right and exit the right side of the screen. And then there's a second group uh, that do the exact same thing. It's easier because they're normal enemies and they only take one shot to kill. So it's the same thing, go over to the left, kill those four, move over to the right, line up the four that are going to come straight down towards you, shoot them, and you're done. And then it's the same thing as the beginning of the screen. Enemies coming off the right side, coming off the right side of the center, curving down to the left point, turning around, coming back up. And then you just basically have to line up uh, your the right side of your dual fighter, so that their shots hit the enemy square in the center. You don't want them to hit too far to the left or too far to the right, because if one of them comes down to where they peel, they stop, turn around, and they basically turn around, peel off, come back up, your shots will miss them on the way back up. So, and then, let's see, then on stage, what, 15? Yeah, 15. Um... Basically, you set up all the way to the left. I mean, all the way to the left to basically line up your shots to either just on or just to the left of the uh, digit for a six-digit high score. And they'll come out there. And basically, all you have to do is modify your shot. They'll basically do looping figure eights coming down the whole way. And then they'll come down right in front of your fighter. And then they'll do figure eights coming back up until they get to the top of the screen. Um, let's see... For some reason, I'm, I'm blanking out on the Boss Galaga enemy uh, thing. Oh, that's right. Basically, it's a long train 
of Boss Galaga's and enemies in alternate order. Basically come out from the bottom left of the screen, pull up, do this wave move, do this wave motion across the screen, and then they just go down and they exit off the bot exit to the bottom right. And it's the same thing for the next set. And then it's uh two and then it's just the same enemies as the first uh wave that come down the challenging stage, and then you're done. Um stage what is it? 19? Yeah, 19. Um, this one is a set of uh, red red enemies that come down from the basically the top left screen, just to, just to the right of the top left, and they'll come sweeping down, and then they'll start doing this spiral maneuver, which goes in like tighter and tighter circles until they reach the middle of the screen, where they'll stop for a second, then they'll exit off to the left, I believe. Right now, I am looking at a YouTube video which has all the gal galaxy, or excuse me, the uh, challenging, challenging stages. Right now, I'm just looking at the the first one, which is stage three. I'm going to skip ahead to. I'm gonna skip ahead to stage nineteen. At stage 15. Here we go, stage 19. So yeah, the enemies come out just to the left of center. They'll peel off. Oh, I see. Yeah, the enemies in Boss Galagos will come out from bottom left. And then they'll do a figure eight in front of you. And then they'll peel off on the screen. Same thing for the red enemies that come from the bottom right. I should have thought of this before. Um, so yeah, you just need to be efficient with your shots and be able to move okay uh stage 23 it's green enemies that start off with the uh they start off from the basically from the right side of the high score number and they'll come down and then they'll do a 90 degree turn to the left go over for a little bit come down 90 degrees to the left move over all the way to close to the uh, left side of the screen, come down, then they'll exit to the left. Basically, you just have to follow them and just shoot them down while you're, while you're moving, you know, while they're, while they're coming out. Not so, not so difficult. It's not difficult at all. Um, then the boss Galaga and four green enemies will come from bottom left, bottom right, and they'll crisscross each other until they reach the top of the screen. Basically, you have to remember your middle position and then you just shoot them and just be efficient with your shots. You'll kill them off before they reach the top of the screen and escape. And then it's the same exact thing for the last two formations. And then you're through that one. Now, uh, stage 27, that's the hardest one. Because you'll have... You'll basically have a line of enemies which will come down from the, want to say, the top left, you know, just actually just left of, you know, the left of the uh, left two digits of the high score thing. They'll come down right in the middle of those. They'll come down, cut immediately to their, to the right, or excuse me, to the left, go to the edge of the screen, then come down in a diagonal to the bottom right. That's hard because you have to really be efficient with your shots 
because it's so easy for them to get all the way to the down because once they get to the bottom right then they'll turn and go across the uh across the bottom of the screen to the bottom left where, where they'll exit um that's hard to do with if it's not so hard to do if you have a double fighter but if you only have one single fighter then it's much more difficult you have to really be good with your shots i've only gotten i can count a number of times on one hand i've gotten a perfect uh challenging stage here so yeah i'm watching it here the guy's you know he waits in the corner and he shoots them all then the then the enemies with the boss Galagas come out from the left, bottom left, pull up, do a wave, you know, basically weave across the across the screen to the right side where they'll turn down, head down, and exit out of the bottom right screen. And there's plenty of spots there to shoot them down. The this guy is basically sitting in the on the right side by the right hand by the bottom right corner has it lined up and he basically just shoots them you know, shoots them as they approach as they start trying to head off screen which is a good way to do it as long as you're efficient with your shots and then of course another line of enemies same exact thing but from the bottom right then the enemies go to the to the right you know to the upper right going diagonal to the bottom left and you basically can shoot them there I just basically, tr my whole thing is, the way this guy's doing it works for him, but the way I do it is I line myself up with where they're coming out, shooting as many as I can, then follow them to that point at the upper right, shoot and keep shooting, keep shooting, and then shoot them as they're coming down, streaking down from the upper right to the bottom left, and by that time, usually there may be one, maybe two left, and you just have to be really accurate again with your shots because... You know, they're basically it's like half of a pixel difference between where that ship is and where your ship is, and you can miss them very easily. And then again, it start goes as it begins. You shoot them down, and you're done with those. Okay, the last one, which I always, which is what stage thirty thirty one. Um, basically, what happens is. Uh, two sets of enemies come down. I always call them Starship Alliance because, yeah, they look like Starship Alliance when, especially when Star Trek II came out. This game predated that by over a year, almost a year. Um, basically, they come down just outside the, you know, to the right and to the left sides of the high score. And they'll come down. They'll come down. They'll do loops away from each other, and then they'll come to a spot where they crisscross in front of you. And then they'll they'll crisscross in front of you, and then they'll loop one more time before they go off to the bottom right and bottom left. Basically, you can kill one set, then move over to the other set after it loops and it's coming down towards you. Then a simple line of enemies and boss galaxies come out of the bottom right. They basically go up, and they basically angle up slightly then they do a, a single loop in the middle of the screen before they exit off to the right side of the screen and it's the same thing for the the next set which come out from the bottom right and they loop around and go to the left screen left side that's the same thing for the last two sets of eight and then you're through
this is where your bread is buttered, folks. This is where your games can be made or broken for most for the most part. Uh, these game, you know, these challenging stages can re just rack up so many points. I mean, especially once the, you're through this first set of challenging stages, because uh, when you go to the next challenging stage, which is uh, stage 35, it goes back to the original one. And it's the exact same thing, except uh, the, the s score value for the enemies don't change, but when you kill the formations, you get 3,000 points instead of 1,000. So as you keep going through the game, your potential for earning points really, really rests with these challenging stages. Um, you, of course, you can earn points, you know, in the normal stages, but those are fairly static. I mean, I don't know of too many people who actually let all of the formation, uh, the formations go up to the top of the screen and start f shooting from there. I very rarely have seen that, <laughs> especially once you get up into the 30s and 40s and 50s in this game when you'll have five, six, seven enemies coming down at you, especially to, uh, depending on the difficulty level, you know, it's just not not a smart way to play the game unless you're trying to point press. And <laughs> I refuse to do that. I have a serious problem with point pressing when it comes to this game. In a game like Donkey Kong, it makes more sense. And I'll talk more about that um, in another art experience. I believe Donkey Kong is... Uh, episode 9. That's where I'm going to be talking about Donkey Kong. But anyway... Uh, those are my tips on Galaga. Um, I could go into further detail, but I think I've covered most of the bases. I mean, considering the, uh, impetus for this show was me watching somebody playing Galaga, and he was getting it all wrong, and I had to bite a hole in my lip to keep from, you know, trying to coach the guy. <laughs> so that's where the inspiration for this, uh, podcast came from. So yeah, um, just get a hold of me on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and at arcadeaddictbrian.com. Okay, I think we, I think we're pretty much done, and we are. That is episode five in a nutshell. How about that? Okay, so uh, we'll see you next time when episode six, uh, when I decide to record episode six, which will be soon, and that will be a long one. Because, let's see, just as a bit of, of preview, I have an, another arcade rundown, I have story time, I have already experienced, and I also have my first home systems segment coming. So stay tuned for that. Okay, so until next time, this is Brian saying have fun, good gaming, au revoir. This has been the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. All music is provided by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. If you wish to contact the show, you can drop an email at arcadeaddictbrian, that's all one word, at gmail.com. We also have a voicemail number for the show. It is 734-743-2433. Until next time, this is... The Confessions of an Arcade Addict Podcast.